Welcome to the E-Commerce Marketing Society podcast, a podcast for women who want to grow their online store or e-commerce brand by improving their marketing. I'm your host, Lisa Byrne, an e-commerce marketing coach for women with 20 years of marketing experience under my belt. I help women increase sales and decrease stress by helping them focus on the right things instead of doing all the things. As well as hearing from me, I gather my favorite women in e-commerce to share their stories of growth and expertise because we all know it takes a village to grow a successful business. Welcome to the society. Let's get focused and have some fun. Hello and welcome to episode number 10. This episode is brought to you by my new group program, Ecom Grow Strong, which is opening soon. If you are ready to finally get a plan in place to improve your marketing, strengthen your brand and increase sales, add your name to the waitlist and I will be in touch with you very, very soon with more information. So today's guest is Kayla from Tribe Skincare. Kayla is pretty well known and she has a really amazing story of growth over the past three years for her skincare brand for Sensitive Skin. Today we talk about what marketing worked for her in the beginning, how that's changed over the past three years and what she focuses on now, including TikTok. We also talk about how she scaled, how her role changed and what her biggest lessons were there. Plus, we get a sneak peek into an exciting new project Kayla is working on, which is a rebrand for Tribe. So it's a jam-packed episode. Uh, Kayla is so generous with her time and her uh, knowledge, and you're going to get a lot out of it. I hope you enjoy it. Hi, Kayla. Welcome. Hey, Lisa. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for coming. Kayla from Tribe Skincare. I'm sure everybody knows who you are. If they don't, they may be hiding under a bit of a rock, I think. Yeah, I've been around for a few years now. <laughs> yeah, and all over social media and, yeah, just a really well-recognised brand. Yeah, thank you. That's good to know after three years of, I guess, spending every day of my life trying to get the brand out there on social media, it's good that it's working. Yeah, I, it's safe to say that it is. I, I've loved watching your your marketing and I've signed up to your email list and, you know, keep a, keep a good close eye on what you get up to because I feel like you're really creative and it feels like even though you've grown quite you know rapidly and from the outside that's what it looks like anyway you've still maintained that really low key like approachable nice you know vibe about the brand like it feels like you're really personable with your audience and you're just being genuinely being yourself at any given time yeah thank you i definitely try to do that i think over the 3 years if you've been following the journey from the start you'd see our content would have changed a lot in terms of when I look back at what we were doing three years ago, it looks a little bit less refined, I guess. <laughs> but the personality yeah. and everything about it is still there. And we've always sort of had that idea of keeping everything super fun and authentic. And now we're just bringing a bit more of a professional element into it as well. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you've been professional all the time, but we, we're so cr- critical of our own marketing, of our own journey, that what what we think is you know not our best work is amazing to other people. Yeah, that's very true. No one else is as harsh of a critic when they're looking at it. Exactly. So for anyone who doesn't know you or your brand, maybe you could give us a little bit of an intro to yourself and, and how you got started. 
Yeah, absolutely. So the brand Tribe Skincare, um, I basically just always think the whole brand can be summed up in four words. So it's skincare for sensitive skin. And that's the message that we're just putting out everywhere into the world. It's our point of difference. It's our mission statement. And everything that we do is about skincare for sensitive skin. Three years ago, when... Yeah, when I was getting started on the brand, um, I had a skin clinic with my sister in Geelong and it was, I guess the motivation behind it was a bit of like a selfish reason that um, I had very sensitive skin and needed to create something that was perfect for myself. But also having the skin clinic, I saw that so many of our clients there had sensitive skin and they were coming to me for a solution. So ironically, the clinic was called Skin Solutions and we needed to provide a solution for them. So, um, yeah, just looking at their skin and what it needed and having my background in beauty therapy, I knew what ingredients were going to work for their skin. And, yeah, when I couldn't find something on the Australian market, I mean, there was obviously products in different ranges that brands had that were for sensitive skin, but I wanted to find a brand that fully focused on it and it just wasn't out there that was going to be professional enough to get them great results as well um so yeah set out to create it just over three years ago that's incredible three years and yeah a huge business you've got a warehouse you've got a team Uh, tell us a little bit about where the business is now Yeah, so where the business is now, I guess it has grown a lot in the 12 months. So 2020 was a crazy year in terms of things were just all over the place with everything going on, trying to navigate business through a global pandemic. But for the business itself, moved into a warehouse. And I think naturally, when you move into any bigger space, you fill that space. So moving into the warehouse, I think I had to prove to everyone around me as well as to myself that I was ready because, of course, friends and family and people around you were like, oh, it's such a big step. Are you ready? Taking on full-time staff, taking on a lease. So it just, yeah, makes you go harder. And I just thought, right, I've got this huge warehouse. I have to fill it. The best way to do that is to sell more products so I can have more stock on hold and um, just keeping myself and, yeah, full-time staff busy as well. So definitely Incredible. a motivating year. So in the past 12 months, how big has your team grown? So we've just grown. It was always me and then I had one casual the whole time and now it's grown to two full-times and then someone that comes in Mondays and Fridays. So that's literally it at the warehouse. And apart from that, I outsource everything. So design, bookkeeping, all of that, none of that's done in-house. Yeah, that's super smart. And how about in terms of your marketing? I know you're you're pretty hands-on with it. Well, that's what it looks like from the outside because it's your voice and it's your image. Who, Who did it in the beginning and who does it now? So I did it in the beginning And to a degree, I still do it now. So all of the marketing strategy and everything is coming from me. But the full-time staff member that I put on eight months ago now is a full-time marketing manager. So she's now managing all the social accounts and a lot more to do with our marketing strategies, which we're really big on email marketing. So managing all of that as well. Awesome. That's so fantastic. And is that so you can focus on the product side of the business or like growth and logistics? What are you working on now? 
Yeah, very much um, product development. So that's something I didn't have a background in at all. I've just had to basically learn as I go from the last three years, which um, has been really amazing. There's so many people out there willing to help and especially the manufacturers we work with. I just have to remind them sometimes that I haven't done this before or that I've only been doing it for three years and then they're teaching me how it all works. Um, But yeah, definitely product development and then a lot more of just, I guess, general director duties of um, coming up with like the strategies of everything we do and just, yeah, running the business and working on the business rather than how they say you should work on your business rather than in it. Mm-hmm. I'm still very much working in it, but the time I'm spending is more working on the business. Yeah. And when you first started out three years ago, how did you learn? Because you, you're really great at marketing. I don't know if you're modest <laughs> enough to, but from what, you know, from a marketer to watch your stuff, you know, you, you do really well. You try new things, but you also stay really consistent on obviously what's working for you, things like email. So how did you learn how to do it yourself? What did you upskill in using courses or what did you do? Yeah, so lots of podcasts. Um, I would say that's the main sort of um, platform that I use to learn marketing and just looking for really specific things. So if I wanted to start looking at doing Facebook ads, I would look up podcasts specifically on Facebook ads and how to maximize conversions, how to set them up, um, YouTube videos as well. But yeah, definitely just all self-taught and I basically have just worked out if something was working for me and I was getting a good ROI, I would just scale that. So right back at the beginning, influencer marketing three years ago was in its absolute prime. It was just working so well for every single business. So I tried it out with one influencer worked out what worked well about it, how we could improve it, and then just scaled that by using lots of different influences across the brand. Same with things like Facebook ads. You try out a few things. You can do your A-B split testing to see whether we might test if people are more interested in our message about being all natural or whether they're more interested in the fact we're vegan friendly. We see what's performing better, what's getting the conversions, then once we know, we scale that by putting more budget into it. Mm. And I wanted to ask you about your influencer marketing because I think when people, well, if people have been following you for a while, they may think tribe and think of influencer marketing at the same time. Do you, Is it still part of your marketing mix? Have you changed how you operate it? Yeah, it's very much changed. I think, um, and something I've been super conscious of is because the brand started out basically as an Instagram brand is how we were known because that was where everyone discovered us and we were doing so well on Instagram that it made sense that I focused on that for the whole three years because it's what was working. But then we kind of have had to fight that stigma of being like we're not just a sort of influencer Instagram brand. It really is an amazing brand that works and customers are getting incredible results with it. And we've had to, yeah, I think prove ourselves in that way that we were more than an Instagram Mm -hmm. brand. Um, But in terms of the actual influencer marketing itself, I think it's still important. I'm not huge on brand awareness as such and I know brand awareness is important and people always talk about that you need to build that brand awareness with your marketing channels 
But to me, as an e-commerce business and to be in our first three years where we're still a startup, it's conversions that are important. So we can't really afford to be putting our message out there just for people to know about the message. We need them to see our message and want to basically buy into the brand or the product and see our product and want it for themselves. So I think in terms of the influencer marketing, that was working really well at the start. I don't know if now it's that the community has lost trust in that sort of advertising or whether it's more just that their reach isn't the same as it used to be, but I definitely don't think it works the same as it did three years ago. Yeah, and I guess that's part of the the challenge, isn't it, for so many business owners is keeping up with what's working, what's changed and how it applies to their business. Yeah, I think if you work out something works for you, you want to scale it and keep going with it, which is exactly what you should do in marketing. But it gets to a point where sometimes you need to look and think, okay, what worked for us three years ago isn't the same as what's working for us now. One strategy you have is not going to last your entire business. So you do always need to be assessing how things are performing and then re-strategizing if you need to. Totally. And I I think that goes for so many parts of an e-commerce business, like even your website or or your brand, your story, you know, your copy, your messaging, nothing is ever going to stay exactly the same. It evolves as does your yourself and your business journey and your stage of business. So influencer marketing may have been great for that early day um, generation of awareness, but now you're focusing on conversion. So perhaps it's more like email marketing at the bottom of the funnel. Yeah, absolutely. And I think with our messaging, I know three years ago, the all natural product trend was really big. And so that was what was resonating with the customers. Whereas now they're really into the fact we're Australian made. So even though we've had those core brand values the entire time, we're changing up our strategy around it that now we're talking about we're skincare for sensitive skin that's made in Australia instead of skincare for sensitive skin that's all natural. That's so interesting and a really good case study, I guess, in terms of how the external environment can potentially change the way you position your brand. Like, um, I guess everybody during COVID times wanted to buy local support small and perhaps that's had an influence in in that change of messaging for you. Yeah, I think that's definitely what sort of brought on that trend in the last 12 months. And that's why it's so important to look at the trends. We haven't changed anything about the brand or its core values. They're all still there, but it's just having that hierarchy of your messages and thinking what's important to our customer right now and making sure we're getting that right message in front of them. Yes, I love that. And how do you track that in your business? A lot of our tracking, like you've got all your data and metrics, which we do look at, but a lot of our trend tracking, it's just coming from customers and what they're talking about with us. So if our Insta DMs and our emails, if customers are constantly asking us about more eco-friendly packaging, we would be like, okay, eco-friendly is what's trending now and that's what our customers want. So it may not be a reflection of a trend throughout the whole of Australia or the whole world, but if something's definitely a trend within our customer base and we know it's what our customers are looking for and wanting, then that's when we would change it up. Yeah, awesome. And, you know, putting the customer first because it goes back to that whole, um, you know, 80% of 
sorry, 20% of your customers make up 80% of your revenue or something like that. So if you keep your, your repeat customers, your loyalists close to your strategy and your planning, you can't really go wrong because they're already engaged. They're already bought and they trust you. So it's just a matter of getting them to buy from you again. So putting their needs at the front sounds like it was, um, sounds like it's working really well for you. Yeah, and I think that's across the whole business. Within our marketing, we see what messages they want to know about and that's what we talk about. But even with product development, so when we first launched three years ago, there was only four products and now there's 15 full-size products in the range and all 11 of those have been formulated with the customer's feedback. So even getting them to test and try the products asking them what they want, people constantly asking, can you bring out a facial oil? And then we chat to them and say, if we were to bring out a facial oil, what do you want it to look like? What do you want it to smell like? What sort of packaging? And then they have essentially curated the whole brand themselves based on what they want. That's so cool. And what a great experience for the customer to be a part of that whole journey. If they've seen, you know, they've asked the question and then what, six months later, there it is. And they've had a, they've played a role in it. That's uh, you know, money can't buy experience for the customer. Absolutely. We've got the proof of concept when the product's coming out that we know that they want it and they're like, wow, that's exactly what I was looking for and now it exists. So, yeah, it works well for both parties. Yeah, yeah it's like um, the the brand knows what I want before I do or they know exactly what they want. And that level of trust is, you know, gold for an e-commerce brand. Yeah, definitely. It's nice for us to even know that they come to us to create products for them, that they do see us as the specialist for sensitive skin. So customers that have sensitive skin come to us and they're like, okay, now we need a body moisturizer and some serums and yeah, we can just make it happen. Exactly. And now that you've sort of tested the market, you know your customer, it makes broadening your product range so much more easier. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about your marketing mix now. What what kind of strategies do you have going on? Yeah, so we're still very much into Instagram. I mean, I've tried everything, all the different paid marketing. We've got Google ads, we've got Facebook ads. All of those things need to exist for the kind of holistic approach to marketing. But at the end of the day, it's our Instagram account that's generating conversions for us. So, I mean, that's great in terms of that that's essentially our free advertising or our organic advertising. So still putting all of our time and effort into Instagram. And then email marketing is our other major channel. Being a consumable product, people have to come back every sort of three to six months and restock all their full sizes. So just, yeah, touching base with the customers twice a week via email marketing, just reminding them that we're here and we exist. And, yeah, that's um, a really great revenue stream as well. Yeah, your emails always get me clicking through because you've always got something like, you know, buy this and get this, like a, even if it's a voucher for a different brand or you've got competitions or secret boxes. Why don't you, I would love to ask you actually, how do you come up with those promos and how far in ahead in advance do you plan and talk us through that? 
I'd love to pretend that I'm a planner, but I'm not yeah. at all. So it's literally like we come up with an idea and basically try to turn it into a concept straight away. Things like the mystery boxes where we're collaborating with other brands, they take a little bit longer because we have to consider the other brands' timelines as well. But sometimes, yeah, we just come up with a concept and we can make it happen within like a 24-hour turnaround if we work on it straight away. So I guess yeah, it varies. Awesome. Some promotions we plan really far in advance and know they're happening, whereas others are just that super quick turnaround. Yeah. And do you, uh, I guess it sounds like you're a really nimble business that you can come up with their ideas or notice a, a, a peak in trends and you can jump right on it. Is that important to you guys? Yeah, I think it's definitely our advantage as a small business that we're in constant contact with our customers. We've got full control over our socials and everything we do where we're not having to consider lots of different parties or lots of different staff have to be involved. We can be nimble in that way. And I think all small businesses have that advantage. So it's definitely something that I want to utilize, I guess. Yeah, before you get too big. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One day I won't be able to come up with an idea and 24 hours later I'll see it happen. So definitely something to do now yeah. while I can. And keeps it fun and keeps your customers, I guess, guessing and coming back for more too because it feels exciting. Getting your emails does feel exciting. Yeah, good. I feel like there's always so much going on with the brands. Like it's always just so busy and crazy. Um, and the customers probably see that as like an exciting thing that there's always something going on and we're doing something different. I think it's kind of a bit of a reflection of who I am as a person that my brain is just always so busy and I'm just like a go person. If I come up with an idea, I'm making it happen. I love getting creative and trying things. So a lot of ideas that I come up with for marketing are things I might see. I never watch what anyone in my industry is doing because I just Mm -hmm. think that's the worst thing you can do. You end up just being the same as everyone else and copying. But I like to watch what businesses in other industries are doing and getting ideas of cool concepts and things they're doing that I can translate into the skincare industry. So I don't know, this isn't a real life example, but I might see something that like a car manufacturer is doing in their advertising and think, oh, that'd be really cool if we can do like customized skincare in that way and yeah, change it into the skincare industry so that we're different to everyone, but just adapting different marketing ideas and strategies that I guess I'm seeing in real life. Yeah, I love that. And I think that's a great idea not to follow too closely what anyone in your niche is doing necessarily. It's good to be aware of what your competitors are doing, obviously, but that whole comparisonitis or whatever the, the, the term is, when you're comparing yourself to big brands, small brands, anyone, you just never know what's going on under the hood of that business or, you know, if they're doing re- really well or if they're, you know, in debt you just never know so what is the point in comparing and looking at brands but being inspired by marketing strategies that speak to you as a consumer and then applying them to your brand that's that's a smarter way of doing it 
Yeah, that's very true. It probably is the strategies that work for me. So say if the Iconic's doing something and I'm like, oh, I was really interested in what they're doing and I made a purchase, then I think, okay, that might be something our customers would be interested in too. So just thinking about your own buying habits and what makes you purchase anything in life and then um, translating that back to your own business. Yeah, that that's so true. And it sounds like you kind of approach everything with a little with a sense of curiosity and a sense of, well, let's just test it out and see. You know, we don't have to be, especially when you're small, we don't have to be like super serious. And um not saying you're small, you're you're well established, but we don't have to be super, super serious about our marketing and follow the plan to a T. Like we can throw things out the window and and have a bit of fun with it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, cool. Okay, so Let's talk about, because I know a lot of people would have watched your growth over the past three years, talk about your scaling. So when did you start to scale and, and how did you do that? What were the things that you had to have in place to help you do that? I think back when I started the business, I had no strategy at all. So no concept of like a marketing plan or a business plan or anything like that. I guess I was forced to scale because to me at the beginning to have these four products, that was my business. And I thought to create a business, I needed to create these four products, which I did. But then all of a sudden I was like, oh, now I need to sell these four products. (laughs) And um, because of things like minimum order quantities, it kind of forced me to be like, okay, I'm going to have to really make this a thing and really scale it. I think it took me probably about three months to really get off my feet and start to get the brand out there. And then in terms of scaling it from there, it was, yeah, just all the influencer marketing at the start, um, which is a different strategy to what I would recommend someone to do now. Like if a brand was starting out now, if someone came to me and said, I need to scale, what can I do? I would probably be telling them to get onto TikTok rather than focusing all their time on Instagram. I just think like I was so lucky not to sort of downplay what I've done, but I got onto Instagram when Instagram was in its prime, whereas I feel like now there's that opportunity that people can get onto TikTok when TikTok's in its prime. So it's just working out where your customers are hanging out and what's working in terms of advertising at the time. Cool. All right. Well, we have to talk about TikTok now because now I'm really curious. (laughs) Yes, we can definitely talk about TikTok. (laughs) Okay, so what? how did you start and what have you learned? Okay, so I started just by basically shotgunning the account. Um, I thought I don't want anyone else to have the username Tribe Skincare, so I better make myself a Tribe Skincare profile. <laughs> and then yeah. I sat on that for so many months because I just thought I can't handle another platform right now. And to it's almost like going back to the start to have to build a new platform and a new audience. And I just didn't know if our customers were on there. I thought TikTok was really just for young people. And then I guess I started to see a bit of a trend that like a few of my friends were going on TikTok that are my age and spending quite a few hours of their day on there. And then some of our customers would start talking about TikTok. And I was like, okay, this is the thing that's um, changing into being the right platform for our audience. So I guess that was the first factor. I had to make sure we were going to be reaching the right people. And then I guess I just jumped on there and made a video and it was not good. The music I used as the background was the song Who Let the Dogs Out. 
which was yeah. relevant. <laughs> That's flattering. <laughs> and I posted a video of my dog, which had nothing to do with trying skincare. So, yeah, if I scrolled right back to the start of our TikTok, I'd be like, oh, gosh, what am I doing? But I think we just, yeah, focused on building an audience. And with TikTok, it's such a different platform. So, TikTok's mission statement is they want to spark joy and inspire creativity. So we had to focus on that as well. There's no point going on there and being super serious or super salesy. We had to go on there and be fun and authentic, which was good because that was our brand sort of personality that we had over on Instagram and it translated really well across to TikTok. And then just having fun with our audience and then I guess now we're kind of strategizing that we're sliding a lot more about who we are as a brand and the products and what they do in amongst the fun content. And that's where we're starting to see the conversions happening now. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So I guess when you first got on there, it was just having fun and testing things out. But now that you've learned a little bit about it, you're getting a bit more pointy with your intention and and what you're sharing there. Yeah, absolutely. And one of people's favorite videos to see on our page, the videos that perform really well, is us doing very mundane tasks at work, like labeling and um, packing orders. So it's good that that's relevant to the business, but also content that does perform really well on TikTok with the algorithm. Isn't that funny that content that you think isn't going to work has a life of its own, like labeling. I think that kind of comes under that satisfying sort of trend that yes. people, you know like um pouring of liquid or squishing textures or smoothing things yeah I think it's something about the predictability of it that it's sort of mindless to watch but people know yeah. what they're getting from it and what to expect and our labeling videos we were doing were just going viral that's bizarre I do remember watching one of your labeling videos but the label maker broke oh great <laughs> That's a bit of a so plot twist. <laughs> yeah, plot twist. <laughs> That's yeah. so funny. That happens so, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so unpredictable. But do you have um, a content strategy just for TikTok or do you sort of mirror what you would do on IG, uh, sorry, Insta Stories, for example, or Reels? Yeah, probably a lot more so what we do on the Reels. With our Reels on Instagram, we're still keeping them more I guess professional and relevant to the business but with that fun twist whereas on TikTok we just post anything it's such a different platform because it's not about getting people to go to your page it's just about showing up on people's for you page so you can post any video and you just basically see how it performs like I posted a video where I was doing my sister's hair and we've had over 20 million views on it So in terms of brand awareness, to get the Tribe Skincare branding out there to 20 million people, that is absolutely incredible. But it was nothing to do with Tribe Skincare in terms of it was literally just me doing these hair twists in her hair. Oh, are they like the 80s or 90s thing? Yes. It was like, yes, a toy that we had when we were like teenage girls and we still love it. And she bought me one for Christmas, this Christmas just gone. And it was like a video we made in two seconds, popped it up on TikTok and yet had over 20 million views now. Isn't that funny? I think I remember that one. Yeah. Yeah. Probably because I'm a child of the 90s as well. Well, maybe more like 80s, but anyway. So with your back to scaling, so how has your role changed over the past three years? 
I guess for a while, my role was doing absolutely everything. So working in the business and on the business. Now my role's very split that I still do all the director duties, as I call them, and product development. And then I've got Holly who manages the warehouse. So she's Mondays and Fridays. And then I've got Sandy who does all the marketing. So it's kind of like two huge aspects of the business were marketing and managing all the warehouse and stock. And now I've just offloaded both of those to free up my time to focus, yeah, just basically on that one thing of managing the business. How good. And two questions. Who manages customer service? So mainly Sandy, the marketing manager, because I would say 90% of our customer service comes through Instagram DMs. Mm-hmm. So That's some of the emails... Yeah, I'll help out with emails, but majority of it is just straight through Instagram. And even in comments, a lot of customer service is done there because people are just seeing products, asking a question, whether it's right for them, and we can just respond to them straight away in the comments. Yeah, and people love that, love being personally um, tended to, you know, have that question answered and they're more, more likely to press add to cart and check out. Yeah, it's just about making it as easy as possible for the customer and making us basically as contactable as possible, that there's no barrier there. They don't have to go to the effort of finding our email and sending us an email. They can just shoot us a quick question on Instagram and it's answered within a couple of hours, except on weekends because we have to have a life. Yes, that was my second question. How how, how many hours are you working during the week now that you've been able to outsource or hire for those tasks that were keeping you stuck? Yeah, so my work week is actually super structured now, which I'm stoked about because it was not for the first few years. And it's nice to, I guess, kind of think of myself as like a staff member or an employee rather than a business owner as such, even though I do own the business, it feels more like I've got a role within the business And I turn up to work from 8 a.m. till 4 p.m. Monday to Friday. Apart from Mm -hmm. that, on the weekends, we don't do any customer service or anything. All of our Instagram and everything's scheduled now. So, yeah, I can actually finally have a proper weekend, which is nice. That's amazing. And I bet it's music to everyone's ears that are stuck in the trenches now in those early years of being jack of all jack of all trade mm-hmm. and before you hire or maybe even after you've hired it, do you use anything like time blocking like you set your days like Mondays is for this Tuesdays mornings is for this like how do you manage your week or are you still sort of reactive to how you're working yeah I think I'm generally a very reactive person um, I'm not organized or structured at all But I do love the concept of time blocking to save time. So I probably do it without realizing as such that rather than like if I'm working on a new product, say like the tinted um, day moisturizer at the moment, instead of just working on it sporadically here and there, I'd rather go, okay, I'm going to sit down for three hours and work on this and work out what we're doing with packaging, what we're doing with ingredients and do it all at once just because it's more productive and I'm going to get a better result from focusing properly on one thing. Same with my emails. I'll try to sit down in the morning and do them all and then come back to them in the afternoon and tend to them all again. So it's not super structured as a week, but I probably am inserting structure in there without noticing I'm doing it. 
Yeah, still keeping that those creative juices flowing because it's like that's something that you really thrive on. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think well, I get bored easily. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same. <laughs> um, now, the other thing that we wanted to talk about today was your rebrand. Yes. Yeah, talk us through what's going on there. Gosh, okay. Um, it's going to be, I think, the biggest project I ever take on. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> every day I'm like, what am I doing? But luckily, I'm excited enough about it that that's what's keeping me going. Because yeah. it's yeah, it's crazy to think to rebrand at three years. If I look around the warehouse or on our website, every single thing that currently exists won't exist after the rebrand. Mm. So all the products, all the formulas are staying exactly the same. I think our customers would completely freak out if we were changing that. So we definitely mm-hmm. won't do that to them. But every piece of packaging will have to change. And then we look at the website and every image is going to have to change. Um, wow. Yeah, so it's just going to be a giant project, I guess. The motivation behind doing it is it's not something that we need to do as such. Like our branding is very strong. People definitely recognize the Tribe Skincare look. Um, It's more just something that we want to do just based on, I guess, what I've learned about brands over the last three years and wanting to make sure the brand translates our message of being sort of all natural, clean skincare, but then we've got this sort of really busy look to the brand. So just making it a bit more luxe and aesthetically pleasing is, um, I guess, the mission with it all and getting it ready for retail. So it's at the point now where I'm ready to throw that label maker in the bin (laughs) (laughs) because it's served us very well, but um, we're at the point where we can now do big enough minimum orders that we can screen print bottles and get that more professional luxe look. So I guess I've had to get the business to this point so I could do that. And then when we look at things like screen printing bottles, you can't do 20 different colors. So we're going to, yeah, kind of tone everything down. It's still going to have a really fun, girly, luxe aesthetic, but going to look super different to how it looks now. That's exciting. And Mm. when does that roll out? Oh, it's still all very much in the design stages at the moment. And then from there, we've got to roll it out into all the packaging and across all platforms. It'll probably be as an aim, we're wanting to do it in the new financial year. So like start off the new financial year with the new brand um, or new brands look, but I don't know, the timeline just keeps getting shorter and shorter (laughs) and the weeks go by and I'm like, oh, nothing has happened yet because there's so many different parties involved and trying to coordinate everyone and get things moving is harder than when I'm just doing everything myself. But at least I'm going to have the best result at the end of it. Yes, that I was going to say the pressure must be on because you're essentially creating a a new look for the brand that will take you five years into the future potentially. You know, you just don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, when you're rebranding, you want that brand to last at least five years and 10 years ideally. And we want, like our customers have expressed that they're a bit nervous about the rebrand because they're like, oh, we love the packaging how it is. So I guess the pressure's on. 
I know that when the new rebrands launches, they're going to be like, okay, I get it now. It's even better than it was. But yeah, the pressure's on definitely to make sure that that happens, that the people who already love the brand are like, okay, I get it now. It's better. Yeah. Yeah. You want to improve it rather than going backwards. Definitely. I guess it's it's like the brand's growing up a little bit. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And are you going to take your customers on that journey with you? Like you're going to show, like make it part of your marketing strategy a little bit or use them as a focus group or anything fun like that? Yeah, so we'll definitely have some customers as the focus group. Um, Originally, I wanted to kind of tease it out and I guess get feedback through a platform like Instagram with our customers and say, you know, you're liking this look or this look. But then I thought, no, we need to leave it to the professionals have a small focus group that give their opinions on it. And then I basically want to launch it with a bang. So it's like launching a whole new brand that, yeah, tease it out in the way that people know it's happening, but they don't know what it's going to look like. And then just one day, just drop it all at once. So we'll do everything at once, website, packaging across the whole range will change all in the one day rather than kind of changing over things as we go. I just think from a marketing perspective, that's what's going to basically get the most attention on the brand and the most excitement mm. about it. Yes, test that website. I'm sure you're going to be getting a few hits that day. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that sounds so exciting. Yeah. And have you worked with an external agency to make the, the brand identity? Yeah, yep. So we're working with a branding expert at the moment that's coming in and kind of looking at our um, brand mission and our vision and all of that aspect of the brand. And then that will go to the designers with the brief. So we've kind of chosen our color palette for now, but that's as far as we've got. And then now that we've got the color palette picked out, we start with all the designs and all the fun stuff. Yes, the whole thing's fun. I love all that brand mission and making sure that Every, all the touch points represent that mission or the values. It's all the fun stuff. Yeah, it's been really nice to reflect back on it as well because I think three years down the track, you kind of forget what your point of difference is and what your brand's purpose is. I know I don't know if that's the same for all founders, but definitely for me, you just get busy running the business and you forget to kind of look back at what the purpose of it all was. So it's nice to look back, reflect on our values, reflect on where we've come from in terms of like we're looking right back at the founder story and why I created Tribe Skincare and how we incorporate that into the brand. Um, So, yeah, I think there'll be a lot more of me incorporated into the brand this year, which is what I didn't want to do because I like to just hide. (laughs) But I know that it is important that people like to, know whose story they're buying into basically I 100% agree I think especially when we're targeting women our customers are women we are naturally we naturally gravitate towards other stories and other women and and we want to cheer them on as well so I think that's a really good message for anyone listening that you know you're at a a well-established place in your business and you're still in front of the brand so it's you know, it's important even when you're starting out and even when you're well-established, people still want to connect with a human. Yeah, absolutely. And I used to think that I wasn't the right person to be at the front of the brand, which sounds silly because I'm the creator of it, but I sort of always had that mentality of I'm not a celebrity, I'm not an influencer, I'm just a normal person, no one's going to care 
what I have to say. But I think that that works to your advantage as well, that people do just want to hear from normal people who are in business. Yeah, that's right. And they want to feel like they belong to a community because it's that basic human need is connection and belonging. And if you can make that part of your brand and especially with skincare too, because I think you know, the alternative to a small emerging e-commerce brand like Female Founded is your huge, faceless, you know, clinical, boring brands like, I don't know, um, what's a... Um, I can think of a few that I won't name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you guys know what I mean. But, yeah. you know, I think there is such a trend now for people to support small, especially female founded, locally produced. Um, and if you're not, mate, if you're not you know, leveraging that and making it, taking advantage of that, then you're sort of missing a trick. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Awesome. Well, actually, my one last question is. What advice would you have to someone in your shoes three years ago? What what would you say to them? Um, three years ago, gosh. Um, I guess like the hard part when you're starting out is that you don't know everything and three years down the track, I certainly don't know everything either. But a huge part of having a business is learning and figuring out what you do want to know. And I think what I needed to know three years ago is that all the information's out there in the world. You just need to find it. So connect with the right people that can help you with that information or look up podcasts, look up YouTube videos, blogs, whatever it is you need to know. The information is out there because every other business or business owner, they didn't know something that you didn't know three years ago. Like everyone's had to find it out for themselves. So just, yeah, get out there and find the information that you want. Yeah, I don't know cool. if I articulated that the way I want to, but hopefully that makes some no, you sort of did. sense. Okay, and you've been really generous with your time too, because you're often in Facebook groups helping other women out, answering questions, and giving advice. Yeah, I think it's definitely just the um, area of passion for me is business itself. Um, obviously, I'm in the skincare industry, but it's just been interesting because the last three years of my life have been completely surrounded by business and connecting with other business owners has been one of the best parts of that. Yeah, for sure. Well, I definitely have to get you back on again, Kayla, because I could talk to you about your marketing and your business forever. Oh, thank um, you. But I After the rebrand, you... I'll come back on and tell you how yeah. that all goes. <laughs> exactly. The wins and the and the fails of yes. a rebrand. Well, good luck with that. And thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. I'm sure my listeners got a lot out of it. And um, I'll pop your link in the show notes, but I'm sure everybody knows who you are. Anyway. <laughs> Thanks so much, Lisa. <laughs> Thanks for joining us this week on the e-commerce marketing society podcast. Make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss out on any future apps. If you found value in today, I would be forever grateful for a rating on iTunes, or if you just tell your biz friends about the podcast, that would be great too. If you'd like to learn more about me and my one-on-one six-month coaching program, Strategy to Sales, head over to my website, www.lisaburn.com.au, and be sure to tune in next week for more marketing goodness. With lots of love and lots of sales, I'll see you next week.